I'm all caught up on Ahsoka. Oh, Yay! perfect. Yes. All right. You abandoned your husband. You did your own thing. No. One of my, oh, no. you watched it with him. He's like, we have to get this in before you go to Disneyland. Oh. He's right. I had my custodian walk in yesterday on Friday, and it was like, telling. he's like, what did you think of Ahsoka? I was like, are you a Star Wars fan? He goes, oh, my gosh, the biggest. And he just starts going through like I'd already watched it, which I had. But then, because he sees all the Star Warsy and different things I have in my class, and so okay, I, I just found a I found a new nerd. Welcome to Rebel Teacher Alliance, the podcast where teachers rethink student engagement, with Jamie Halsey, Fabian Hoffman, and Scott Kazarian. All right, everybody, we have a great show for you today. We're so excited for you to tune in. We get to geek out on all things Star Wars. We're very excited about that. We're talking to Eric Baker, the prop fabricator for things like uh, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter and our Galaxy's Edge. That's right. It's our Galaxy's Edge. But not just the prop fabricator. I mean, that was what he did like when he was a wee lad. But he's like he was like the creative director. Of both and both parks. So So Florida and it's a big deal. Like I was still I'm still like not sure how that happened. Um we did we do talk about it in in the interview, but it it was it was it's surreal. It's really surreal that somebody who is responsible for literally my favorite place on earth. Uh, wanted to to talk to us so we uh, hope you enjoy the episode because we sure enjoyed talking to eric yep eric baker coming up hey everybody welcome back to rebel teacher alliance holy smokes guys i don't even know what's happening today but today is like like uh living in a dream of sorts of bringing somebody a guest on that that sort of dabbles in our world uh, but really, we just want to dabble in his world because of what he does. So, Fabian, <laughs> this is kind of your baby. Why don't you take it away? Who, who do we got? My today? baby. Okay, that's yeah. that was that's weird. weird. But okay. Um. So yeah. So a couple was I don't even know how long it was. Last year, yeah, last year, like March, uh, May. I had this crazy idea of, um, trying to turn my classroom into a Star Wars set, and I didn't know what to do. I had no idea how to go about it, but I thought it would be cool, and so I. Started started reaching out i have this book called the art of galaxy's edge and uh i was so fascinated with galaxy's edge and how it looks and so i found the the page of all the people that were involved in it and i just started writing messages on linkedin trying to find people on linkedin that might actually respond to me and so, so desperate guest, emails out to the it was universe. a desperate <laughs> desperate email that i sent yeah. out please help help me whoever reaches <laughs> this uh, and uh, so i did and uh, our guest Eric Baker did uh, respond Ooh. to it and was so kind with his time and helped me out. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think you're listed as the executive creative director. Uh, uh, in just creative director. There, creative director. Okay, creative director. Um, <laughs> which which still is like huge, like considering right. it's Imagineering, right. it's Disney, and so I was just blown away that somebody. Uh, like you would respond to a little old teacher like me. We were all um, blown away by that. We're still kind of blown away by that. Yeah. Right so welcome, Eric Baker. Woo! If, oh, yeah. Oh my gosh. We're so glad you're here. Uh, if if you don't know, you can go on Disney Plus to One Day at Disney, and yeah. there's a segment, probably like what 15 minutes or about. I bet there's a well, chunk of it. Five minutes. Yeah. yeah they yeah. they split them up in like mini episodes. Okay. And, and then. There's also a feature version of it, the two-hour yeah. version. I'm, I'm in that also. That's the um, one I was thinking of. Was the longer one where you oh, get okay. like a chunk. Yeah, uh, and um, it's really awesome that you're here. You are, you are the creative director of what Galaxy's Edge. Uh, I was one of the creative directors on Galaxy's uh-huh. Edge. So there were a few of us, but uh, I was my focus was mainly on the props and set dressing and and things that really brought the world to life. Um, and I mean, as one executive put it, if it weren't for the work that my team did, it would just be a bunch of funny looking buildings. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we tell, you know, with with the with the set dressings and the props and, you know, we tell the stories of the people who live there. And, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of what we 
do it's never even seen or heard by anyone because it's just stuff we do for ourselves uh you know like figuring out a lot of times we'll make up our own story for a shop owner for instance if there's not a specific story that goes with that shop owner and it'll be just to help us think well you know this this guy walks in the shop every morning and you know he hangs his apron on the wall and he makes a cup of blue milk and he sits over here and and does his thing and so we just to help us figure out how to decorate the places and make them look believable we kind of make up our own little stories sometime of of how the shopkeepers and and citizens of an area would would you know go about their day and it's visualize everything like everything is just living immersively in it yeah 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 and you know one of the cool things about star wars is we were allowed uh we had so much freedom to create because there, there wasn't um, like, for instance, before star Wars, I did the wizarding worlds of Harry Potter for universal studios. And with Potter, you have such a rich uh, background in the books and, and the movies, but, but the books more than the movies, even because JK Rowling really wrote so much detail into those books. And there's really not that much in the star Wars world that exists. I mean, like, for instance, you know, when a stormtrooper goes home, what does he hang his helmet on, you know, or, or <laughs> just everyday things. Uh, so it was really fun for us to get to come up with that stuff and, and get to expand on on this world that we already loved, uh, you know, since 1977. And, uh, you know, getting to take that world to a different level and, and really bring it uh, to a place where people could walk about and, and enjoy it and, and get to really live in the world, you know. It's just so fascinating because I was we were just there last weekend. We went on Smuggler's Run and uh-huh. the 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 line of Smuggler's Run, um, it's for those of you who don't know, it's like the Onaka Transport Solutions, they are on Batu and they uh have the Millennium Falcon at this point and they use it to go and you have to go find Coaxium. Like that's a, that's the theme of the of the ride. And yeah just standing in line and like looking at what does a, a a space port essentially look like that where there is repairs and blah, blah. And then you look in the lines and there are these details that just blow me away. Like there's a table where people played Sabak. There's a table. Oh, there's like a, a bucket um, or, or a helmet of a scout trooper that they use as a bucket for drip, like oil or whatever it is, right? It's these yeah. tiny little things that us nerds were like, oh my God, I can't believe they did that. <laughs> and everybody else in the line just like goes there and they're just like, yeah, this makes sense to me, like without thinking about it because yeah, it feels yeah. so real. And that's like, I remember I was talking to Tom Spina because uh-huh. you told me, oh, ch- talk to Tom Spina, who's like, yeah an incredible artist himself he does Mm -hmm. creatures for uh like bus that he sells right he um that he works on uh re uh, how would you say it um uh, restoring things like film props etc like he's amazing but i talked to him in uh in anaheim last year during the convention during star wars celebration (laughs) and he said oh my god you have to talk to eric baker because he (laughs) forgot that that you told him about me and he's like if there's one person out in the industry who has an eye for star wars it's eric baker so (laughs) you have you have like clout amongst so many creative people so it's it's really awesome (laughs) <laughs> uh, you have some clout with me too so that i mean that works so, so yeah. i'm very generous with my clout uh so i'm i'm curious i was watching the video uh of one one day disney to do some research for today and um you know one of the things you notice and i obviously you're in charge so you're the face of it when it comes to this one day at disney but you're actually like, it looks like you are hands-on doing it. So how much are you hands-on versus how much were you like uh, kind of directing others to the hands-on stuff? It seemed like you were really hands-on. We um, Very much hands-on, uh, especially in uh, during the installs and stuff, which is when they filmed that, we were installing Galaxy's Edge. And um myself and, and my my right hand person uh, Lori Reffitt, you know we're really out in the field when all that stuff's going on and 
you know, you really do place everything exactly where you want it because the composition and placement of everything is, is so very important to bringing those worlds to life. Um, yeah. And then, you know, I, I was actually on Galaxy's Edge for about four and a half years from start to finish. And oh. um, so, so in the beginning, you know, there's a lot of work as far as designing and coming up with the things that we're going to build. I mean, we spent almost a year just collecting all the stuff because mm-hmm. the Star Wars world is made out of out of stuff from our world. And so you're yeah. taking from our world and modifying it to look like stuff from the Star Wars world. Uh, so we spent almost a year just collecting stuff before we ever really started building anything. Um, and I was very fortunate that, you know, I, I, Disney allowed me to set up an in-house shop where we had uh, an incredible group of artists that worked, uh, you know, worked for me uh, designing and building stuff. Um, you know, there was a lot of things like the the cages that you saw me hanging in the one day at Disney thing. Yeah, I did. A lot that, of those yes. I made myself. I mean, I started out as a fabricator many, many years ago in the film industry. And uh, so I still like to get my hands into stuff and, and uh, I still like to make things every once in a while. Uh, when I can get out of meetings and stuff, but uh, <laughs> so I uh, so I, I think uh, it's very much hands on uh, what we do, and uh, you know even even in the fabrication phase, there's there's constant interaction with the artists that are building stuff, and and especially yeah. with Star where we're saying, well, wait, what if you take this piece and put it here, and and then then you could put this one here. So it's a, it's a very collaborative effort um, as far as you know, building a lot of that stuff and, and everything. That's so how really did, cool. how did that work? Since you, since I don't know what, what coast you were on when you were, when you were being filmed, because mm-hmm. they, they built two of them, right? So it's like, did yeah. you have to go back and forth constantly? And, or did you have like, you did, let's say in Florida, you did your shop, like, like the, 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 the food shop, for example, and then you took a million pictures and you sent those to the West coast or did you go? Like back and forth. Well, I went back and forth. I would spend about two weeks in California and two weeks in Orlando. Um, but during the install, um, Lori, uh, who I mentioned, my right hand person, she yeah. was because California was the first one, and so we were still building stuff in Florida for the for the Florida part while we were installing California. So, oh. so Lori went out there, and, and she was there pretty much full time overseeing things during the install and then i would go back and forth to keep things going back at the shop in orlando and then also to keep an eye on the stuff that had started installing in orlando orlando i think was six months behind or something like that uh so so we had a little more time to think about it and and got to do a little bit more than we did in california uh in in orlando um yeah do you get to like improve a little bit upon what you did in california I mean, like, Ooh, I like this, but this could have been better, and I'll just do it differently yeah, in Florida. Yeah. It's like a do-over. <laughs> definitely, did, definitely did some of that, and uh, you know, I, I, I like them. You know, I love them both, but I definitely think uh, my work, anyway, is a little bit better in Orlando because we had more time to think about it, and we did get to improve on some stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the one day at Disney thing was just so top secret. I didn't even, you know, I just got told. Um, you know, you're going to be out in California next week. Uh, while you're out there, you're going to do a photo shoot without <laughs> even knowing what it's for. And, yeah. um, you know, when it finally came time to do the photo shoot, they told me what it was. But even my my boss and my manager didn't even know about it. Oh, uh, wow. they, it was so secret. Uh, because, I mean, there was, you know, 70 of us selected out of, you know, 250,000 Disney employees. So, yeah a really wow. huge honor to be a part of it and uh so yeah it was super super top secret even when they were filming me that the stuff that you see in the video was shot in orlando and then the photo mm-hmm. shoot was done in, Cal- in the book there's a, a one day at disney book and so the photo shoot for the book was done in california and then uh, and then the video was actually shot in orlando and they, it was months apart so uh, they wanted me to wear the same thing I wore in the photo shoot. For the- oh, gosh. <laughs> so, you know, something That's was shot in California. I was wearing layers of clothes, and then they filmed me 
in Florida in the middle of summer when it's 200 degrees out. <laughs> oh my gosh. They're like, could you sweat. shave? You didn't shave recently. Yeah, you were. The last yeah. one you shaved. Yeah. So that's really so, funny. It was, uh, yeah, a bit warm when we shot the video. Um, <laughs> and and even then, it, it was still so top secret that, I mean, nobody knew why they were feeling. I mean, Disney's always shooting behind the scenes stuff. So everybody just kind of yeah. assumed for a behind the scenes scene or something. But, uh, but um, it was a great, it was a, it was a really big honor to get to be a part of that. Well, so we we really need the backstory of what it's like to have a like Fabian read. So we heard Fabian side of it, right? <laughs> but like, what's it like? So why why? Well, here's one of the questions that we think a lot of people listening because yeah. we have a pretty big base of teachers that tune in. Like, what? Why respond to to anybody's? You know, especially me. We yeah. think he's wonderful. <laughs> we joke with him a lot, but he's an amazing teacher that works very hard in class. I won't repeat that again, but that's true. no, that's no, um, that's recorded now, so I'll just keep replaying. <laughs> it could be your ringtone now. Uh, why re like when he when he reaches out? Why does that pique your interest? Why do you care? I, I, what's well, that like? He's he's a teacher, and I've got a huge soft spot in my heart for. The educational system because my family my dad was an elementary school principal and my wife or my my wife's mom uh was a secretary in an elementary school and and my mom was an art teacher so i have a i mean i grew up as part of a, a school family you know and mm. and i know what you guys go through to be able to to teach and and such a huge part of your lives that you give to to make these students or help these students learn and if i can help out with that a little bit uh you know i, I love i love doing it and and I, I try to respond to just about anybody that reaches out to me just as a courtesy but so fabian um, wasn't I, special in you reaching out then it was just <laughs> okay come on i mean I, I mean, if I could have come out to California and helped him decorate his classroom, I would have. Uh, oh my gosh! Wow! I, I would. Well, you did mind. video in, right? You videoed in, yeah. and you had a conversation yeah. with his design class. Yeah, yeah, I did, and I do that a lot. I speak to a lot of schools and universities, and uh, you know, I do a lot of one-on-one -on -one with students. Sometimes, also, you know, um, I just on. Thursday, I, I spoke to a student in Maine who had reached out to me and, and said, hey, do you have a few minutes that we could just talk? And so, you know, we set up a Zoom and I ended up talking to her for an hour, you know. We, wow. Uh, wow. But, well, and that kind of leads us to what we're thinking about. So we had some mm -hmm. questions in mind, like, like, where does a kid or a student start to get to where you are? Like my own kids, like whenever the coffee maker breaks, we don't throw it out. We take it apart to see what's in it. Right. Yeah. And recently on our last episode, I found a bunch of like World War II era electronics that I, I got free off Craigslist. And now they're in awesome. my classroom taking up space awesome. until I figure, you know, but they have all, you know, like where, where does like, so a student reaches out to you, where do people start? Or like, how does, if, if a student wants to, to, if a young kid wants to get there one day, where does that person start? And like, what does a student do now if they're like, Ooh, I think this is something I want to pursue. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would say art, you know, art classes, uh, design classes. There's a lot of universities now that have theme park design major. Mm -hmm. really. uh, uh, places like the uh, Savannah school of art and design in Georgia uh, is a huge school uh the disney and universal both draw heavily from for interns oh, interesting okay. uh, the ringling school in sarasota florida is another uh fantastic art school um so there, there's um there's a in chicago there's a you know they've got a great art school up there, there there's uh, and then Southern Cal of course uh, you know everybody knows about them but there's there's lots of uh you know more and more people are or starting theme park design programs and that's a good way to get your foot in the door and um you know depending on which area you want to be in if you want to design or if you want to to actually build stuff like uh, so many of the people that work for me have artistic backgrounds because we're actually building and hands-on i mean yeah. you know we're slowly moving into a digital world but we're still still building stuff by hand i mean there's there's a lot of 3d printing and stuff goes on but you know there's still a lot of of needing to be able to do stuff with your hands to sculpt and to paint and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, you know, 
fortunately, like I said, my mom was a, an art teacher. And so my brother and I, she taught us from very on, very early on, you know, we learned how to, we learned how to paint and learned how to sculpt. And I mean, like when I was, you know, playing with my Star Wars toys when I was a kid, the ones that the stuff you could buy in the store was never good enough. We would build our own Star Wars play sets <laughs> and stuff. And, mm. yeah. and I mean, like my GI Joes had custom outfits because we would sew, you know, when I was <laughs> six years old, I was sewing costumes for my GI Joes and stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, wow. We also got heavily involved uh, working with puppets um, through our church at the time. And uh, so I, I, for, I was really... You know, if I, if things had been a little different, I, you know, my dream would have been to work for Jim Henson, uh, mm -hmm. but unfortunately he passed away my freshman year in college. Um, but, but I mean, I did eventually I worked for the Muppets for a couple of years, actually. Um, but, uh, you know, I really would, I wanted to work for Jim. I wanted to know Jim and unfortunately I, I never got to meet him. Yeah. Um, but I mean, as far as parents dealing with students, at the age you you guys are teaching right now i mean i would hope the parents and the teachers would, would teach you know let the kids encourage their creativity and and you know if they you know the first thing get their you know anything they'll get their faces out of ipads and cell phones yeah. <laughs> and get their hands on actually doing stuff um you know i think that's you know one of the greatest things that you can do for them um I had a, a fifth grade teacher um, named Pat Miller who encouraged me to draw Disney characters. And mm -hmm. I mean, in fifth grade, I could draw all the Disney characters better than I can now because I would do it every day. And, and yeah. so then she would have me make decor for the classroom. You know, you know, she would say, you know, here, draw me a three foot tall Mickey Mouse on a piece of poster board and I would draw it and they would cut it out and she would put it on one of her bulletin boards and make it part wow. of one of her displays in the classroom. Um, you know, when I got on up to junior high, they, they asked me to paint murals on the walls of the cafeteria and stuff. Um, so, you know, my, my teacher very much encouraged my creativity when they saw that that's, that I could do that. Um, yeah. You know, I, I used to, I mean, all the way in second grade, I started doing puppet shows from, for my classes and I would do it for my class. And then they, they thought it was so good that they started sending me around the classroom. So I would go around <laughs> the classroom and do little puppet shows. And it was literally just stuff that I made up off the top of my head, you know, it's just yeah. me with, a, but it, you know, so I, I mean, I, I'm very fortunate that, you know, I had great teachers that nurtured yeah. uh, creativity. That's awesome. That's um, really, really cool. Yeah. <laughs> what, what would you... The freedom to do that is amazing. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so last year, my, my course, and it's, it's going to go somewhere, trust me. Um, so in, <laughs> in my, my class, um, we did like, the design thing we came up with all kinds of different ideas for what the classroom could look like and in the end we didn't get to build anything because we ran out of time and budget restraints and all that kind of stuff so it was kind of a setback and that was like a huge blow for me as a teacher because yeah. I was like I I let these kids down like mm -hmm. I promised them hey guys we're gonna go to Disney we're gonna do the workshop with Imagination Campus and they they learned a lot of stuff which in mm -hmm. hindsight I, like I can say yeah they learned a lot of things but it was like an incredible feeling of failure on my end that I mean, you were like design. inconsolable for about two weeks. We were. <laughs> oh, it was God. yeah. I was. I was really sad because yeah. it, I had like this vision of that by the end of the year I'll have something, and in the end, we didn't have anything except a lot of ideas, and yeah. I. So I was wondering because that's what I learned is just that's part of design, right? It's it's yeah. the process is you you're lucky if it works the first time, right? That's mm -hmm. like. And so I would, I wonder, like, what do you, as someone who's been doing this for, I don't know, 20, 30 years, mm -hmm. like, what is your approach to this? Like, how do you deal with these types of setbacks? Oh, wow. That's, and that's a good question. Um, first of all, I, I, 
um, the people that work with me know that I, I try to get my way all the time and I don't give in. <laughs> uh, I'm very persistent. I can be the squeaky wheel very easily when I need to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would say that just that pushing and being persistent is the, the way, I mean that, but there's also the aspect of, of kindness, which is something that whenever I talk to people who knew Jim Henson, they, the one thing that everybody says is he was kind. Mm-hmm. And so I try to be kind to everybody that I deal with and that I work with. And I find that you, you can get what you want a lot more uh, by being nice to people than, than mm-hmm. being, than not being a nice person. Uh, so I, you know, I try to, you know, I tried to do that and, and try to set that example for my employees and everything also. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if that answered your question at all. No, it totally did because that's a, that's a thin line you got to walk between yeah. persistent yeah. squeaky wheel, but also like, yeah. Hey, here's the vision. I really think we need to yeah. keep going this direction, but yeah. I'm going to do it with kindness. That's, that's, there's value there for sure. You know, there's been times, you know, because I'm from the South and, uh, you know, I remember one time I was dealing with executives at Warner Brothers, and I found out that they just loved my Southern accent. So I would, I really put it on extra heavy <laughs> when doing that, just because I knew it was a way of greasing the wheels. And <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. So you did a lot of painting. When did? How did you get to like tinkering? Because for me, as a dad of four boys <clears throat> who tinkers a lot, I have mm-hmm. a maker space now, sort of like three tables I've yeah. smashed together, where we yeah. have computers in my classroom that sometimes we'll just disassemble because they're decommissioned yeah. or something. Like, when did you get to the tinkering part of things and looking at like, let's just say a cage looking thing and being like, oh yeah, if we paint that, that's gonna fit there, and if we do this or add this yeah. thing to it, like, when did that come about? I think that came about, but so after I graduated from college, or my major was film production, and my my minor was theatrical design, and um, I started working on low bit low budget television shows and movies and stuff, and from from being on those shows that uh, it learned it made me learn how to do a lot with nothing because they had such mm-hmm. low budget. <laughs> I mean, basically anything that was on any live shows that Nickelodeon did in the early 90s, I, I worked on those shows. And uh, uh, so I did a lot of children's television. And um, so, you know, it would get to the, you, it's like I could walk in Home Depot and, and you know, walk around and go, hey, that, you know, that could be a piece of that and that could be a piece of that. And you, you would, you look at shapes. I look at, you know, mm-hmm. look at shapes of things and 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 go well that kind of looks like that and if i paint it this way it'll look like that and um and you're constantly problem solving you know because the writers come and, and this was a fun it's kind of a double-edged sword it was a, the writers come up with crazy stuff and, and you have to create it but then when they when you keep being successful and keep always coming up with the crazy stuff they write, then they keep upping. Oh yeah, you know, uh, too and, high of expectations. Yeah, you gotta. Uh, what, yeah. what is it like? Lower expectations or something? Yeah. Under, <laughs> over pro, under deliver. How's that work? Yeah. Or something like yeah. that, right? Yeah, yeah. but you know, I remember. You know, it's like you. Would, I was working on a show called Clarissa Explains It All, and that was one. That was the show where I got my big break. That was my first job as a, a prop fabricator, and mm-hmm. and we kept doing more and more stuff that they loved, and they loved, and then finally it's almost like they started writing episodes just for us to come up with stuff, you know, like we ended up doing, <laughs> oh my gosh. you know, you know I'd get a script and it would say, you know, Clarissa dreams she's having dinner and her potatoes look like uh, a Porsche. And so <laughs> I, I, I a Porsche out of mashed potatoes and, and, uh, you know, it got to the point we even did an episode they knew that we were all nerds and loved Star Trek and Star Wars. And so we did a whole episode around Star Trek. And so we got to build the bridge of the Enterprise because they, they oh knew that gosh. we loved doing wow. it. And so they, you know, it was it was just so much fun. It was such a great show. And, and it was always fun to get to that point where you get to collaborate with the writers. And we could actually yeah. come to them with ideas and go, hey, you know, we could do this if you can put it in one of the scripts, you know. And so uh so that was uh, you know like i said nickelodeon is where i i got my start and i think that's where i really learned how to to cobble things together out of out of different pieces and stuff that's awesome 
You worked yeah. at so many different <laughs> sets and props and uh, worlds. Is uh, it hard when you move from one to the other? Like when you're like knee deep in Harry Potter world and then you move over to Star Wars, is it hard to separate? Or do you just get is, so yeah. immersed? It is, especially with Potter and Star Wars, because believe it or not, there's lots of similarities to the way this stuff is done for Potter and for Star Wars, because they're uh, Potter's more about taking antique stuff and making antiques mm -hmm. look different. Uh, you know, once you look familiar to this world, but not part of this world. You know, we're building big telescopes and stuff like that uh, out yeah. of brass. Um, so. I mean, the first thing I do when I'm starting out something like that, especially if it's something that's an intellectual property that's tied to a film, is I just completely immerse myself in the film. So I've got an iPad that I carry with me all the time. And so I'll load, like I had every Harry Potter film on my iPad and every Star Wars film. And so anytime I had downtime, like if I was on a plane, I was watching those films and, and memorizing, watching the backgrounds more than watching yeah. the story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's called research. That's not called watching a movie, right? That's called research. Yeah, yeah. R and D, right? You're doing some R and D. This, believe it or not. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, um, so yeah, they're, they're you know, like I, with Potter and Star Wars, there was a lot of places where I had to stop myself and go, "Wait a minute, we're getting too pottery with this. We need to you know, take mm -hmm. it back towards the techie look of Star Wars instead of the more." you know, polished, refined look of, of the Potter stuff. So, um, so yeah. I hate when I get too pottery. That's the worst. <laughs> but when you talk about immersiveness, so maybe, so we've kind of talked about like how maybe just creating creative opportunities for students in class seems to be a good place for us. Jamie teaches fourth and fifth grade. Uh, Fabian and I are middle school teachers, just creating open opportunities or seeing somebody with some skill like your teacher did in fifth grade and being like, Hey, yeah, draw me something big. And yeah. we'll just, it may not, you know, so we all theme out our classes. They're star Wars. I'm a mod podge of things right now. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm space. So sort of star Wars, with some star Wars, you know, touches to it, but how, like, when it, I guess maybe when we talk about immersiveness, like what are some, I don't even know how to ask this question. Anybody know, like what are some immersive qualities or things that we could think about as teachers maybe in our classrooms? And maybe there's not an answer. I don't really know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, part of an immersive world is, is looking at a real world and seeing what, what in that real world makes it, real to you for instance like i'm sitting mm -hmm. in my right now and as you can see in the background there's just clutter everywhere and mm -hmm. and that to me that's what a real world is it's very layered and very and, and very full yeah. um and so that's kind of that was something that i actually learned from stephanie mcmillan who was the academy award-winning decorator on the harry potter films she mm -hmm. she told me to make a world real it has to be very layered and um, especially if it's a world that's been around a long time because, mm. you know, piles up. And, and mm. so, uh, so yeah, it's all about layering and, and the, using that to tell the story. Um, but how to do that in a classroom, that's, uh, that's tough. Yeah. Um, I, I think you could tie it into storytelling and writing. Like really, <laughs> like before they even begin writing a story, start developing <laughs> Like, okay, you have this character. What does their room look like? What yeah, is the, yeah. what do they eat for breakfast? Like, you know, yeah. things like that. That's yeah. you know, golden uh, grams. They eat golden grams. That's what they eat for breakfast. <laughs> you know, and a lot of times the stuff we find or we buy helps to create that story. Uh, I mean, yeah. I remember Potter, we bought, um, we found this beautiful antique chair but at some point in its life, water had dripped on it and it had this big stain on the upholstery. And uh, we're like, well, where did this come from? Why, you know, what's the story behind the stain on the chair? Yeah. And, you know, there's a leak in the ceiling. So we had the painters paint a leak on the ceiling uh -huh. and nobody's ever going to make that connection, but it helped us make that connection and tell the story of why. But I guarantee you, it's kind of like what I tell my students all the time. It's like if you have a, a question that you 
think is stupid or whatever, ask yeah. it anyway, because somebody will have that question in this room. Yeah. And it's kind of like somebody will make that connection because you yeah. made it. Somebody's mm-hmm. gonna look at that and they're gonna look up and they're gonna be like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. Right. Yeah. And it's this and that and that's why it's important that these kinds of things are included and that you guys as the set designers are thinking yeah. of these things because that's what makes it real. Well, um, um so one other thing that you did mention in the um in the documentary was and and I'm kind of dealing with this right now because I um next to the class that I was teaching last year, I'm teaching it again this year, and I added a club to it so that we have more time in the afternoon mm-hmm. to work on yeah. stuff. And uh, I'm combining it with my co-teacher who she is, she's has a drama club. She puts on plays at our school. And so we combine our forces and we make this, we call it prop design. And so now what you were talking about in the documentary was that for Galaxy's Edge or for like a theme park in general, you have to make props that last right yeah because in a because in a movie or in a in a stage show like stuff Mm -hmm. breaks and you're good you move on to the next thing right so how how did you attack that issue when like what is it what did you have to think about when it comes to okay so let's say this gonk droid for (laughs) for the movie you would make it out of like tubs because nobody's going to touch it right nobody can like crush it in any way exactly but when you go to galaxy's edge they're made out of metal and they're yeah. really hard. And so I'm just wondering, like, where where was that? Like, what was your thought process there? Like, how did you, was that always something you were, like, aware of? Or did you, like, fall into, like, a hey, trap? Let, the man, like, well, let the man answer the question. We give it. Go, well, go, I, go. It's a no, great no, question. I can't wait for the answer. So I'm just no. dying for the answer. <laughs> well, I mean, it was, I mean, first of all, you start out with what you saw on camera. And, and you go, well, you know, how can I make this where it can be touched? For the next 30 years, seven days a week, 12 hours a day. Yeah. And, and then if it has to be out in the weather, even more so. So I'm glad you thought the gaunts were metal because they're actually fiberglass. Oh, fiberglass. Uh, okay. They're fiberglass, but they're meant to look like metal. And yeah. to help spell that, we put little, there's aluminum bits and pieces on them that are, mm-hmm. that are, so you get that, it makes you think that they're metal. Uh, but they were fiberglass because real metal, when it sits outside for 30 years, you know, even if it's aluminum, it'll start to deteriorate at some point. So, you know, we had to use materials that would hold up uh, in, you know, <laughs> hurricanes and everything else that we have in the yeah. <laughs> in the world. Uh, even you guys have hurricanes now. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but, uh, California, now new with hurricanes. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> new improved. New, new and improved. <laughs> That's funny. We were just sitting here going, thank God it's not us for a change. Yeah. Uh, and now you have a second one coming to you. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Hopefully it's going to stay way off the coast, but I am going over to the beach this weekend just so I can see the big waves come in. But, uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it, uh, I've got to tell you, lost my train of thought there. But yeah, you, you, you know, first of all, you, you have to look at the proximity to the guests and the people that are, you know, if, if something's inside a cage, we're, we're not as limited as or we don't have to be as you'll see a lot more detail and stuff that's yeah that can't be touched by people we we know we can we know we can really push the detail on stuff that's out of out of reach uh, mm-hmm. uh either hanging up high or, or behind a, a cage or something uh you know a lot of the droids in the droid shop for instance they're uh a lot of them are 3d printed uh some of them are fiberglass wow uh, they're kind of a mishmash of everything. The ones that are are closer that you could actually reach up and touch over the conveyor belt are usually fiberglass. Uh, uh-huh. But um, you know, it's really you kind of look at the situation where it's going to be used and try and figure out how, you know, how to make it, you know, to, to convey what you saw on camera, but to make it as as what we call guest proof as possible. Well, it, and in <laughs> our classrooms, we have a bunch of hooligans who love to touch it, not just yeah. like mm-hmm. nicely touch, but like bang and test the yeah. image, right? So I and imagine that's why... in a park, there's tons of that, right? They're not just going to touch oh. it and be awed by it. They're going to try to destroy it. They will. And, and they, a lot of them feel that, uh, that we owe it to them for them to take something home, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but so- what's what's really funny is like I was wa- I was standing in line to uh, the the Spider Man ride, and yeah. I was looking at 
like I don't know if you've been on it, but there is mm -hmm. like this the screen with a keyboard and there's mm -hmm. these these web fluid shooters like these guns mm -hmm. and there's a bunch of keys missing from the keyboard and yeah. i was like that's probably like people climbing over and just taking it versus when when i look at galaxy's edge i have not once noticed anything mm -hmm. like that where it's like oh somebody took that so i was wondering if this is like oh. comes down to to your like vision already knowing like that's gonna happen or is this a in general, you just no. send in a bunch of like teenagers and be like, just test just this like, thing go out. Nuts. See what you like, can take. See what you can take. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it's funny. I saw that same stuff in the Spider-Man line, and, and I, I went, whoever made that, you know, probably didn't have the experience of our guys because we, yeah, we keyboards. There's a keyboard. Uh, I don't know if you've done the build a saber thing yet, but yes. as you, as you walk. The first little room. You I cried. Into. Just saying, I cried. <laughs> they they both cried. Let's be honest. They we both, both cried. cried. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, there's a keyboard in there, and we cast it out of a solid piece of resin because we knew that people would break the keys off of it. Mm. So a lot yeah. of it comes with experience and knowing, you know, what what people will touch and, and what they'll break, and and you know, naturally, people they're used to touching keyboards, so they want to touch it, and yeah, and they'll. And and so we you know we knew to cast it out of a solid piece of resin, so it's basically just a, a block that can't be broken. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I saw that same thing on Spider Man. I know what you're exactly. That's okay, good, good. <laughs> well, this has been amazing, guys. You have any other questions? I mean, not Fabian. Are there any other? No, just kidding. Uh, not. Uh, I, I mean, have, we've. I feel I like there's a million so, questions still. But... I know. Me too. Still, there's so many things that I feel like are relatable to just our classrooms, even in just like the design process. And uh, even in my classroom, we're doing like a what you want to be when you grow up kind of thing. And I'm mm -hmm. thinking, oh my gosh, like the fact that your dream was to work for Jim Henson, but that didn't really work out. But like, I mean, like second place, your executive director, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, or not executive <laughs> director, what are you? I don't remember. Creative director. Creative director, I apologize. Yeah. yeah. Not the executive. But I mean, like that's, to be able to not only have dreams and maybe follow them, but maybe they don't work out and, and something else comes about. I mean, we just appreciate everything you brought today. Well, thank uh, you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad I could help you guys out. Okay. Yeah. I, well, I love, I love I, oh, too ahead. that you are, you are a, a, an artist um, and a creative, but you're also really a storyteller. And I think that's why, you know, my sister isn't a Star Wars fan, but when she went into Galaxy's Edge, she felt the 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 feeling of it. She felt it was lived in and it was she could relate to it. And that's that's really neat. And so we kind of hope as teachers, we can kind of create that kind of magic too. like mm -hmm. the classroom is relatable and lived in and, and a living thing, you know, yeah. so. That's that's great. I'm, I'm glad that you guys try to do that. And I love so much. You know, that Fabian, you know, with what Fabian was doing with this classroom and to get the kids involved in that type of stuff, it's just really cool. Um, you know, one thing, this is just kind of digressing a little bit, you know, Fabian. Right. We love digressing. We do it all the time. It's <laughs> all really the time. <laughs> you know, Fabian had mentioned uh, in the in the queue line for the Millennium Falcon ride, you know, seeing the different stuff in there and that was all done by one of my set dressers, Brad Ringhausen, who, who put most of that together. But that's one thing that we like to do is try and make it so every time you go back, you see something different, you mm -hmm. know, because it makes you want to keep coming back. And yeah, uh, one, of, one of the places I went crazy was in the Antiquarian. Uh, that was just like my baby. I, I tried to put as much Star Wars stuff in there as I could because it really was a place where you could tell the history of the world. You know, you could have stuff from way back in the old republic and then you know just from all the timelines so so when you go in there you'll see stuff from everywhere but every time you go you'll probably see something different which well, is, you what found your you... own nerdy spot within the larger nerdy yeah. wow yeah. wow that's <laughs> awesome that's that's epic what what made you decide to put the ark of the covenant in there were, were you part of that or because it's gone now but it's gone. yeah that that came from an executive actually who said hey wouldn't it oh, be okay. cool if we had the ark in there because i never thought they would let us have it it came out of the great movie ride at, at, oh you know, okay and then we made a duplicate for california and uh so some executives said oh, it wouldn't be cool to put it in there and I, I agreed i thought it was neat and then 
because it's so random it's like it's like it's not in universe but then it still fits because it's yeah. supernatural yeah. it's kind of weird it's like yeah. it's still like and it's doc doc ondar he'll get yeah. his hands on something like that right <laughs> but you know unfortunately what happened is i mean before we even got open all the cast members had figured out it was there and then they started pointing it out to everybody that came in from the world being real then because yeah. yeah. mm -hmm. you know, hey you know, every guest that came in they're going hey look here's the ark of the covenant and oh, it was okay it didn't really distract from the story because when when people are in that world we want them to believe that they're in the world and yes yeah it kind of them out of it when you point stuff like that out and so uh, i think the one in california uh we may have just thrown a tarp over it i think it's still up there maybe covered up and then jamie will check for us i will yeah. where do i where do i go in doc ondars yeah. it, it was right up by the foot of the wampa uh, okay i'll look tomorrow uh, but I think we just put a tarp over that one, and then the one in Florida, they repurposed and moved it. Uh, I think it's at a place called the Hangar Bar now, which is actually based on Indiana Jones. It's, uh, well, that, I mean, that makes sense, right? Yeah. You're, like, trying to do yeah. one thing, and if that one yeah. thing kind of gets detracted from it, I mean, it makes sense. Well, I mean, we're big believers that people ruin everything. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks, <laughs> cast members. For one of the things we do in our gamified classes is we hide Easter eggs. Oh, in yeah. our class yeah. and with the intention yeah. that some kid may never ever find it mm -hmm. and yeah. it's okay we have to kind of yeah. live with it right and yeah. so when they do it's like this magic thing that unlocks their brain a little bit well and that's Speak one of the fun we do that too and that's one of the fun one of the things i really enjoy doing uh, and i like to i'm on a lot of the you know facebook pages and stuff just because i like to watch there's a lot of galaxy <laughs> edge pages and i like to watch yeah. to see what people are seeing but not only that, when they're trying to guess how we did something or mm. you know, yeah. their thought process, trying to figure out what we did. And and yeah. it's funny, a lot of times they come with, you know, I, I see what they're saying. I'm like, wow, that would we should have done that. That would be cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we did. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, yeah. Speaking <laughs> of Easter eggs, what is something that, that people should look for in Galaxy's Edge where you like, that is something, I mean, Hidden oh, Mickey's really? is one thing, right? There's yes. like the... Yeah. When you walk down the ramp to 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 the Millennium Falcon, there's like the hidden Mickey there, the blaster bolts um, that made like its mark in the wall. But yeah. what is what is something that that you know that is not something that is widely um, known? Are we going for an exclusive here? This is crazy. I, I don't yeah. know. Wow! Wow! Just throwing it out there. See what happens. <laughs> I I, uh, I mean I can't. Because I like for the people to figure it out. I would That's rather, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Divulging. But I would say in the in the. Toy I mean, shop, nobody listens to this. So. Yeah. Can you give us coordinates <laughs> and we'll go to that on our map and then look around or something? Yeah. In, in, in the toy dairy, and one of my favorite things in, in the toy shop, there's uh, I mean, there's a giant six foot star destroyer made out of pieces yeah. of old that I'm hanging from the ceiling. But up on the shelf uh, to the right of it, there's. All the it's kind of our tribute to the Kenner play sets uh, from when mm -hmm. we were kids. Mm -hmm. So there's Travis Sail Barge and and so that was that was a fun thing that I personally got involved in. I sculpted the little job of the hut that's in the in the sail oh, bar. That's awesome. and, uh, I sculpted a couple of the aliens that are standing on it. So so I mean that's a one of the things that was just kind of a special thing for my crew because we all we all grew up with those Star Wars play sets. And so we wanted to do kind of a nod to those things. And so, so that's a fun thing to look And for. nobody else could yeah. ever know, but you know. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. and the people listening to our podcast now. But. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I think that's we kind of have to land it a little bit. I have one we do. just burning question. How often do you go to Disney parks? Do you love Disney parks? Do you go do, often? Well, you know, I don't go to theme parks unless I'm working usually. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, it's your job. I, I mean, I do, um, you know, I take friends and stuff there when they're in town. But uh, it, honestly, it's been over a year since I've been there. I really oh, want to go. Actually, a friend yeah. of mine, uh, or, or Brad Ringhouse, who I mentioned earlier, who worked on the Millennium Falcon, sent me a video today. He shot me a video from, he was at Galaxy's Edge with his wife, and they, they sent me a little hello from Galaxy's Edge, and that was kind of cool. Um it's like going back to a home you made and yeah, haven't been yeah. in a while. That's got to be the coolest experience ever. I want to feel like that. How do we... <laughs> my, my wife well, you have you... 
Mm -hmm. My wife doesn't mind going with me because I'm constantly taking pictures. And <laughs> Somebody stole that. That's broken. Why didn't they fix that? You know? mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so like That's taking hilarious. pictures. People saying, "Hey, will you fix this?" Yeah. Uh, that's funny. But uh, but yeah, it's um, that's awesome. We're so you know, we're so yeah. Thank you. You know, when you get to spend time in the parks before they're open to the guests, that's when it's really magical. <laughs> oh, I yeah. bet. Yeah. You know, when I, I've been to Galaxy's Edge at three o'clock in the morning, you know, and and it's really yeah. kind of a peaceful, cool place, and. Uh, uh, same with the Wizarding World. I've seen the sunrise over Hogwarts so many times. I can't oh, tell you. Wow. So I had a nickel. It's, yeah. I had a nickel. <laughs> so, you know, That's it's, amazing. It's a place I love to work, but I really I don't visit that often. As often as I should. Yeah. Well, we're here well, to remind you. You should go. You yeah, probably, it's probably Home Depot's kind of ruined for you now because now you're probably going there and be like, oh, I could just build a little thing and just throw that in Galaxy's Edge real well, quick. I, it's, it's a fun, <laughs> I love going to those places because I, I I'm always looking for something to make something out of, you know. <laughs> Gosh, this has been amazing mm -hmm. and we're still feel like Fabian's making it up a little, but we're really, really, yeah, really is, glad you Yeah, we appreciate you coming on. Thank you for saying yes to us. I mean, we are, I mean, we're just, yeah, that's amazing. Uh, Eric, well, how do people find you? Do people find you or are you kind of off the radar? Um, I mean, and that's most, okay too. You'll find me on LinkedIn. Got um, I, I tend MySpace. not to, on Facebook, <laughs> stuff like that. I tend not to friend people unless they're yeah, friends okay. of mine. Uh, but, They'll just um, Google you then. People, a lot of people find me on LinkedIn. Um, yeah. And check him out on his Disney Plus uh, one day at, right? It's really cool. Yeah. And it's, really cool. it's the, the documentary in general is just fascinating, especially if you're interested in, in theme parks and creativity. And it's like, it's just so cool to see all the legends and all these people who are creating the things that we love. It's definitely <laughs> worth checking out. And then also, check us out at rebelteacheralliance.com. Oh, what were you yeah. going to say? I, wait, oh, I can so you check out. Uh, there's another documentary on Disney Plus called The Imagineering Story. Oh yes, mm -hmm. really. Uh, and I'm actually in episode six of it. We're in England shopping Ooh. junk okay. for Star Wars, and we're actually uh, going through piles of junk. And so there's a quick little bit in, in that. But uh, but no, it's a really great documentary, especially if you have kids that are interested in doing what My I do. My whole class is junk. I mean, that's the best way to describe it. <laughs> so literally. I cannot wait to dig into episode I would six. love it. I would love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, check us out. Uh, RebelTeacherLines.com. Thank you, Eric Baker, and we will see you next time. You're yeah, welcome. Bye-bye. Thank bye -bye. you. Bye. -bye.